Chapter 23 of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter 23. Faulkner had parted with his dear adopted child under a strong excitement of fear concerning her health. The change of air and scene restored her so speedily that his anxieties were of short duration. He was, however, in no hurry to rejoin her, as he was taught to consider a temporary separation from him as important to her convalescence. For the first time after many years Faulkner was alone. True, he was so in Greece, but there he had an object. In Greece also it is true that he had dwelt on the past, writing even a narrative of his actions, and that remorse sat heavy at his heart while he pursued this task. Yet he went to Greece to assist in a glorious cause and to redeem his name from the obloquy his confession would throw on it by his gallantry and death. There was something animating in these reflections then also disease had not attacked him nor pain made him its prey his sensations were healthful and if his reflections were melancholy and self-condemning yet they were attended by grandeur and even by sublimity the result of the danger that surrounded him and the courage with which he met it now he was left alone broken in health dashed in spirit consenting to live wishing to live for elizabeth's sake yet haunted still by one pale ghost and the knowledge that his bosom contained a secret which if divulged would acquire for him universal detestation he did not fear discovery but little do they know the human heart who are not aware of the throes of shame and anguish that attend the knowledge that we are in reality a cheat that we disguise our own real selves, and that truth is our worst enemy. Left to himself, Faulkner thought of these things with bitterness. He loathed the burden that sat upon his soul. He longed to cast it off. Yet, when he thought of Elizabeth, her devoted affection and earnest entreaties, he was again a coward. How could he consent to give her up? and plant a dagger in her heart. There was but one cure to the irritation that his spirit endured, which was to take refuge in her society. And he was about to join her when a letter came, speaking of Gerard Neville, the same wild boy they had seen at Baden, the kind friend of Marseilles, still melancholy, still stricken by adversity but endowed with a thousand qualities to attract love and admiration, full of sentiment and poetry, kind and tender as woman, resolute and independent as a man. Elizabeth said little, remembering Faulkner's previous restriction upon his name, but she considered it her duty to mention him to her benefactor, and that being her duty to him it became another to her new friend to assert his excellence lest by some chance faulkner had mistaken and attributed qualities that did not belong to him faulkner's thoughts became busy on this with new ideas 
it was at once pleasing and painful to hear of the virtues of gerard neville the pleasure was derived from the better portion of human nature the pain from the worst a lurking envy and dislike to excellence derived in any degree from one he hated and with such sentiment he regarded the father of gerard still he was the son of the angel he worshipped and had destroyed she had loved her child to adoration and to know that he grew up all she would have wished would console her wandering unappeased spirit he remembered his likeness to her and that softened him even more yet he thought of the past and what he had done and the very idea of her son lamenting forever his lost mother filled him with renewed and racking remorse that elizabeth should now for the third time be thrown in his way was strange and his first impulse was to recall her it was well that gerard should be noble-minded endowed with talent a rare and exalted being but that she should be brought into near contact with him was evil between faulkner and gerard neville there existed a gulf unfathomable horrific deadly and any friendship between him and his adopted child must cause disunion between her and faulkner he had suffered much but this last blow a cause for disuniting them would tax his fortitude too much yet thus it was to be taxed he received a letter from lady cecil of which elizabeth was ignorant its ostensible object was to give good tidings of her fair guest's health and to renew her invitation to him but there was a covert meaning which faulkner detected lady cecil though too young to be an inveterate matchmaker yet conceived and cherished the idea of the marriage of neville and elizabeth in common parlance gerard might look higher but so also might elizabeth apparently the only daughter and heiress of a man of good birth and easy fortune but this went for little with lady cecil gerard's peculiar disposition his devotion to his dead mother his distaste to all society the coldness he had hitherto manifested to feminine attractions made the choice of a wife difficult for him elizabeth's heroic and congenial character her total inexperience in the world and readiness to sympathize with sentiments which to the ordinary class of women would appear extravagant and foolish all this suited them for each other lady cecil saw them together and felt that intimacy would produce love she was delighted but thinking it right that the father should have a voice she wrote to faulkner scarcely alluding to these things but with a delicate tact that enabled her to convey her meaning and faulkner jumping at once to the conclusion saw that his child was lost to him for ever there arose from this idea a convulsion of feeling that shook him as an earthquake shakes the firm land making the most stable edifices totter a chill horror ran through his veins a cold dew broke out on his forehead it was unnatural it was fatal it must bring on all their heads tenfold ruin yet wherefore elizabeth was no child of his elizabeth faulkner could never wed gerard neville 
but between him and elizabeth raby there existed no obstacle nay how better could he repay the injury he had done him in depriving him of his mother than by bestowing upon him a creature perhaps more perfect to be his solace and delight to the end of his life so must it be here faulkner's punishment would begin to exile himself for ever from her who was the child of his heart the prop of his existence it was dreadful to think of but it must be done and how was the sacrifice to be fulfilled by restoring elizabeth to her father's family and then withdrawing himself to a distant land he need not add to this the confession of his crime no thus should he compensate to gerard for the injury done him and burning his papers leaving still in mystery the unknown past die without its ever being known to elizabeth that he was the cause of her husband's sorrows it was travelling fast to arrange this future for all three but there are moments when the future with all its contingencies and possibilities becomes glaringly distinct to our foreseeing eye and we act as if that was which we believe must be he would become a soldier once again and the boon of death would not be forever denied to him to restore elizabeth to her family was at any rate but doing her a long-withheld justice the child of honour and faithful affection who bore a proud name whose loveliness of person and mind would make her a welcome treasure in any family she despite her generous sacrifices should follow his broken fortunes no longer if the notion of her marrying neville were a mere dream still to give back to her name and station was a benefit which it was unjust any longer to withhold nor should it be a question between them they were now divided so should they remain he would reveal her existence to her family claim their protection and then withdraw himself while she occupied by a new and engrossing sentiment would easily get reconciled to his absence the first step he took in furtherance of this new resolution was to make inquiries concerning the present state of elizabeth's family of which hitherto he knew no more than what he gathered from her mother's unfinished letter and this was limited to their being a wealthy catholic family proud of their ancestry and devoted to their faith through his solicitor he gained intelligence of their exact situation he heard that there was a family of that name in northumberland it was roman catholic and exceedingly rich the present head of the family was an old man he had long been a widower left with a family of six sons the eldest had married early and was dead leaving his widow with four daughters and one son yet a child who was the heir of the family honours and estates and resided with his mother for the most part at the mansion of his grandfather of the remaining sons little account could be gained it was the family custom to concentrate all its prosperity and wealth on the head of the eldest son and the younger precluded by their religion at that time from advancement in their own country 
entered foreign service one only had exempted himself from the common lot and become an outcast and in the eyes of his family a reprobate edwin raby had apostatized from the catholic faith he had married a portionless girl of inferior birth and entered the profession of the law his parents looked with indignation on the dishonour entailed on their name through his falling off but his death relieved their terrors he died leaving a widow and an infant daughter as the marriage had never been acknowledged and female offspring were held supernumerary and an encumbrance in the raby family they had refused to receive her and never heard of her more she was it was conjectured living in obscurity among her own relations faulkner at once detected the truth the despised deserted widow had died in her youth and the daughter of edwin raby was the child of his adoption on this information faulkner regulated his conduct and finding that elizabeth's grandfather old oswy raby resided habitually at his seat in the north of england he his health now restored sufficiently to make the journey without inconvenience set out for northumberland to communicate the existence and claim his acknowledgment of his granddaughter there are periods in our lives when we seem to run away from ourselves and our afflictions to commence a new course of existence upon fresh ground towards a happier goal sometimes on the contrary the stream of life doubles runs back to old scenes and we are constrained to linger amid the desolation that we had hoped to leave far behind thus was it with faulkner the past clung to him inextricably what had he to do with those who had suffered through his misdeed he had fled from them he had traversed a quarter of the earth he had placed a series of years between them but there he was again in the same spot the same forms before him the same names sounding in his ears the effects of his actions impending darkly and portentously over him seeing no escape but by casting away the only treasure of his life his adopted child and becoming again a solitary miserable wanderer no man ever suffered more keenly than faulkner the stings of remorse no man ever resolved more firmly to meet the consequences of his actions systematically and without outward flinching it was perseverance to one goal that had occasioned all his sin and woe it followed him in his repentance and though misery set a visible mark on his brow he did not hesitate nor delay the journey to northumberland was long for he could only proceed by short stages and all the time a miserable reflection doubled every mile and stretched each hour into twice its duration he was alone to look back was wretchedness to think of elizabeth was no solace hereafter they were to be divided hereafter no voice of love or gentle caress would chase the darkness from his brow he was to be for ever alone at length he arrived at his destination and reached the entrance to bella forest the mansion a fine old gothic building adorned by the ruins of an ancient abbey was in itself venerable and extensive and surrounded by a princely demean 
This was the residence of Elizabeth's ancestors, of her nearest relations. Here her childhood would have been spent, under these venerable oaks, within these ancestral walls. Faulkner was glad to think that, in being forced to withdraw from her his own protection, she would take a higher station, and in the world's eye become more on an equality with Gerard Neville everything around denoted grandeur and wealth the very circumstance that the family adhered to the ancient faith of the land to a form of worship which though evil in its effects upon the human mind is to the eye imposing and magnificent shed a greater lustre round the place on inquiry faulkner heard that the old gentleman was at bella forest indeed he never quitted it but that his daughter-in-law with her family were in the south of england mr raby was very accessible on asking for him faulkner was instantly ushered in he entered a library of vast dimensions and fitted up with a sort of heavy splendour very imposing but very sombre the high windows painted ceiling and massy furniture bespoke an old-fashioned but almost regal taste faulkner for a moment thought himself alone when a slight noise attracted his attention to a diminutive and very white old gentleman who advanced towards him the mansion looked built for a giant race and faulkner expecting the majesty of size could hardly contract his view to the slender and insignificant figure of the present possessor oswy raby looked shrivelled not so much by age as the narrowness of his mind to whose dimensions his outward figure had contracted itself his face was pale and thin his light blue eyes grown dim you might have thought that he was drying up and vanishing from the earth by degrees contrasted with this slight shadow of a man was a mind that saw the whole world almost concentrated in himself he oswy raby he head of the oldest family in england was first of created beings without being assuming in manner he was self-important in heart and there was an obstinacy and an incapacity to understand that anything was of consequence except himself or rather except the house he represented that gave extreme repulsion to his manners it is always awkward to disclose an errand such as faulkner's it was only by plunging at once into it and warming himself by his own words that he contrived to throw grace round his subject a cloud gathered over the old man's features he grew whiter and his thin lips closed as if they had never opened except with a refusal you speak of very painful circumstances he said i have sometimes feared that i should be intruded upon in behalf of this person yet after so many years there is less pretence than ever for encroaching upon an injured family edwin himself broke the tie he was rebellious and apostate he had talents and might have distinguished himself to his honour he preferred irreparable disgrace he abandoned the religion which we consider as the most precious part of our inheritance and he added imprudence to guilt by he being himself unprovided for 
marrying a portionless low-born girl. He never hoped for my forgiveness, he never even asked it. His death, it is hard for a father to feel thus, but his death was a relief. We were applied to by his widow, but with her we could have nothing to do. She was the partner of his rebellion, nay, we looked upon her as its primal cause. I was willing to take charge of my grandchild, if delivered entirely up to me. She did not even think proper to reply to the letter making this concession. I had, indeed, come to the determination of continuing to her a portion of the allowance I made to my son, despite his disobedience. But from that time to this, no tidings of either mother or daughter have reached us. Death must bear the blame of that negligence, said Faulkner, mastering his rising disgust. Mrs. Raby was hurried to the grave, but a few months after your son's death, the victim of her devoted affection to her husband, their innocent daughter was left among strangers who did not know to whom to apply. She, at least, is free from all fault, and has every claim upon her father's family. She is nothing, and has no claim, interrupted Mr. Raby peevishly beyond a bare maintenance, even if she be the person you represent. I beg your pardon, sir, but you may be deceived yourself on this subject. But taking it for granted that this young person is the daughter of my son, what is she to me? A granddaughter is a relation, Faulkner began, a near and dear one. Under such circumstances, interrupted Mr. Raby, under the circumstances of a marriage to which I gave no consent, and her being brought up at a distance from us all, I should rather call her a connection than a relation. We cannot look with favour on the child of an apostate, educated in a faith which we consider pernicious. I am an old-fashioned man, accustomed only to the society of those whose feelings coincide with mine and i must apologize sir if i say anything to shock you but the truth is self-evident a child of a discarded son may have a slender claim for support none for favour or countenance this young person has no right to raise her eyes to us she must regulate her expectations by the condition of her mother who was a sort of servant a humble companion or governess in the house of mrs neville of dromore faulkner grew pale at the name but commanding himself replied i believe she was a friend of that lady i have said i was unacquainted with the parents of mrs raby I found her an orphan, subsisting on precarious charity. Her few years, her forlorn situation, her beauty and sweetness claimed my compassion. I adopted her, and would now throw her off again, interrupted the ill-tempered old man. Had you restored her to us in her childhood, had she been brought up in our religion among us, she would have shared this home with her cousins. As it is, you must yourself be aware that it will be impossible to admit, as an inmate, a stranger, a person ignorant of our peculiar systems, 
an alien from our religion mrs raby would never consent to it and i would on no account annoy her who as the mother and guardian of my heir merits every deference i will however consult with her and with the gentleman who has the conduct of my affairs and as you wish to get rid of an embarrassment which pardon me if i say you entirely brought on yourself we will do what we judge due to the honour of the family but i cannot hold out any hopes beyond a maintenance unless this young person whom i should then regard as my granddaughter felt a vocation for a religion out of whose pale i will never acknowledge a relation at every word falconer grew more angry he always repressed any manifestation of passion and only grew pale and spoke in a lower calmer voice there was a pause he glanced at the white hair and attenuated form of the old man so as to acquire a sufficient portion of forbearance and then replied it is enough forget this visit you shall never hear again of the existence of your outraged grandchild could you for a moment comprehend her worth you might feel regret at casting from you one whose qualities render her the admiration of all who know her some day when the infirmities of age increase upon you you may remember that you might have had a being near the most compassionate and kind that breathes if ever you feel the want of an affectionate hand to smooth your pillow you may remember that you have shut your heart to one who would have been a daily blessing i do not wish to disembarrass myself of miss raby miss falconer rather let me call her she has borne my name as my daughter for many years and shall continue to retain it together with my paternal guardianship while i live i have the honour to wish you a good morning falconer hastily departed and as he threw himself on his horse and at a quick pace traversed the long avenues of bella forest he felt that boiling of the blood that inexpressible bursting and tumult of the heart that accompanies fierce indignation and disdain a vehement desire to pour out the cataract of his contempt and anger on the offender was mingled with a redoubled tenderness for elizabeth with renewed gratitude for all he owed her and a yearning heart-warming desire to take her again to the shelter of his love from whence she would never more depart End of chapter twenty three